is the time to take action. Now's the time to do more and be more. Test in December, right? Yep. Test in December. Get off probation, but it's been a lot of fun. And, uh, good man. We're happy to have you back in the studio. We're happy to be back in the studio. And today, happy to have our good buddy Dave Haas, who was the very first guest on the Tango One podcast. Uh-huh. So we're right. We're throwing it back. It's not Thursday. It's Wednesday, but we're throwing it back today. So thanks for coming in, Dave. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. So you guys who don't know Dave, Dave and I have been friends since high school, and. Uh, really locked down our friendship when he was, you know, not when he was, because he still is the owner of the treehouse, but when we started, uh, I started working there as a cop, and Dave was the bar owner there, and he, obviously our services went hand in hand up a lot, as uh, we drew a lot of people out of here back in the wild, wild days of uh, Ola Avenue. But Dave and I have stayed real tight, uh, tight knit friends, uh, staying at each other's weddings. He's the owner of treehouse, like I, like I said, but he's also the owner of Lunga Vida Beach Retreat, which is uh, an amazing place we just went to. I want to talk about that a lot today. And, uh, you know, he's a spiritual mentor, personal achievement specialist, whatever you want to call it. But he helps men and women achieve their outer success that they want by doing a lot of inner work. Yeah. In a nutshell, right? So welcome to the show, Dave. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Great to be back. Uh, yeah, the podcast has come a long way and uh, uh, the last chat was great and looking forward to it again today. Yeah, this is episode 60 something. I don't know which one this will be by the time we release it, but we're in like 62, 63 area. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. crazy. Like, <laughs> considering we kind of like, we thought we were going to do like one a week and then we enjoyed it so much. And it just kind of goes like with, uh, with the kind of stuff you talk about. Is if you're doing what you like, you just kind of keep doing it. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, it's I, I talk a lot to like my clients and people about like being in the field, you know? And it's like, once you're in the field of like doing a podcast, then you just keep doing more podcasts and you start figuring out what, what works and what doesn't. You try different camera angles and you release it to different platforms. And, but then when you get out of the field and then all of a sudden you don't have that same inspiration. But when you're in the field of podcasts, you're like, oh, this guy would be a good guest. And uh, oh, we can talk about this on the podcast because you're in the field of actually doing it. Right. So um, a lot of things that happen, you know, when you stay in a field, you know, like you go to fitness and then you're like, oh, this would be a cool workout. But as soon as you step away from it and you're not in the field anymore, it's a lot harder to get that momentum going again, right? So you you and I both with our podcast, it's like, uh, you know, for me, I release a lot of content on like social media and stuff. And because I'm always in the field of thinking about new content, it's like just always on my mind. Like I'll, re- I'll be reading a book and be like, oh, that'd be a good quote. Yeah. <laughs> and I am writing it down, right? You know, so it's like, uh, yeah, it's just like, you know, I think the, I don't know why I went on to this, but obviously it's for some reason the listener is like if you're trying to start a new business or you know you want to get into exercise or fitness or whatever it may be you have to be the field that's like what i eventually tell people it's like you can't just kind of stick your toe in it's like if you just jump all in the inspiration the how to all that stuff is going to be revealed to you it's like you want to start a podcast well be the field go get a microphone and start recording and then eventually you'll just learn all the how uh, through the process and you and i are exact examples of that like we both had no clue what we were doing when we started our podcast and now yeah, we were both uh you know i think my my podcast is episode uh, almost episode 100 and, you know and you've been on a couple times and you're in the 60s it's like and you're and you know i i forget the thing that's funny about podcasts is you kind of forget like that people are listening <laughs> <laughs> because you get 
caught up in the like, okay, how can we make it sound better? How can, you're not even really listening to content so much. And yeah. You're like, how do I, how do I sound better? How do I put my words in a better format? How do I do this? How do we pick proper topics? All this stuff, and then all of a sudden you get feedback from someone. And you're like, oh yeah, you heard that. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, 100%. yeah exactly. So it's like, and so you know, you're sitting in the studio here, and you're just having a conversation amongst friends, which is great. But then you know, there, there might just be one takeaway uh, that someone gets, and you know, I kind of got out of the field, and I think you were in the same place, like of of making podcasts. I, I was busy opening up Moon Vita, and uh, you know, I wasn't making podcasts as much, and then. Someone came up to me the other day and was like, yeah, I love your podcast. I listen to it all the time. And I was like, oh, shit, maybe I should get back on making that podcast. And he's like, you know, you forget about the connection that you have. Because yeah. with podcasts, you don't get as much feedback as you do with like social media posts and that kind of thing. Right. And yeah. you kind of, uh, you get so enamored some days with like, how many listens did that episode get? But like, really? As long as like the right 10 people or the right 25 or 50, whatever that is for your audience, like got the message and like got something from it positive, I guess that's. At the end of the day what it's all about it's funny we were talking force flow and flow and we were also talking homeschool and this kind of reminds me this conversation was watching my boys like right now going through this homeschooling thing and being a kid who didn't really enjoy school or like school and i've been reading obviously on how we can do a better job of the unschooling or however you want to call this and it's it's like was i really not good at this and this in school or was i just not interested and then you talk about fields and like forced flow or like your steady flow. It's like, well, I was always really interested in gym. The only like real class I took in high school, like past grade 11 was accounting and business with Mr. Kane. Mm-hmm. And look where I end up, right? It's like, you know, I was trying to force, but right? not, I was trying to, maybe the, the teacher, the education system was getting me into like some things I just didn't enjoy. And the things that I enjoy end up kind of following me through and dealing with people podcast policing this job it's really kind of cool when you look back in that way and then i'm like looking at my children and my my oldest definitely seems to be like in the like school would be great for him because he loves like math and english and things i hated while the little guy he's kind of like i don't know he's kind of like the one the same thing as me just like being around people and you know running around so it's it's cool it's a cool situation it's cool to look at it as you looking back as like mini me's are growing and you're going to be here in that situation you're coaching that in the next year or two and it's fun to watch man yeah, and I you know that the whole homeschool thing is, is you know starting to gain popularity, and especially with like uh, the state of the world and everything. And you know, the way it's looking for me is like my kid is probably going to be homeschooled as well. And Tony and I were talking before. It's like it's funny when you know I'm thinking about homeschool, and I would have to hire a teacher because I'm just too busy to be doing the teaching on my own. My wife's too busy, um, and I'm like, man, we, how would we find like a really good teacher? And, and then when you throw your kid into school, you know you don't ever consider like what the teacher's like. I'm sure you do, but it's like you know. Is this whoever's teaching grade three is who's teaching grade three? It's like you don't have that much of a say in it. Uh, so it kind of like makes you like kind of made me take a step back uh, and be like, hmm, that's interesting. I'm just kind of w- willing to just put my kid in school and trust their kid to the school system, which you know, this is no uh, backlash. Well, there's so many great teachers, so many like my, my teachers like shaped my life, you know, like some of my teachers. So, um, but it just made me realize, like, hmm, if I ever do put her in school or if I homeschool her. I'm really going to consider like who is teaching her, what are their right, teaching right, right. right now. Whereas before, I don't think that was even in my awareness. It was just like, let's go to school. And just being able to kind of choose your curriculum, right? Like it's so, that's, like, that's they cool talk about so much how like everybody's so different and everyone thinks in different ways or has different interests. So it's like, but yet you still have that school system that every, we're all brought up on, but it's like you have that same school system that everybody takes these six classes in grade three, right? There's yeah. no special class for this individual or this individual that you know has an interest in 
you know, as an overall interest in fitness, for example, it's not an option for you to take that besides from your one gym class of the day, right? So it's like being able to homeschool your kids or taking them to your own kind of schooling system is if you can guide, like you said, the kid has an interest in something, push them down that path, right? Because then they're going to be interested in it, they're going to spend more time in it, and then hopefully be more successful in it than forcing five or six classes they don't want to be in, no. right? It gives right. you that false kind of sense of education because you're like, I, I was there. You feel kind of dumb because you're like, I don't like this stuff. No. But I don't understand it. I just, I'm not interested in it, so I don't want to spend time on it. Yeah, so. I, I think that's a great point, and that's like a, you know, it goes to like to the point of like player strength and fucking weaknesses. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, you know, it's like uh, we get so obsessed with our weaknesses and trying to make our weaknesses better, but it's like, well, you can fuck your weaknesses. It's like just like lean into what you're good at, you know. And you know, for me, it was like I would be an example of like a school system failing somebody. Like I, I was a kid, you know. And we're talking about programs and uh, your struggles and these types of things. Uh, you know, where's where we want to head the podcast, but like, um, you know, I was a kid that basically was like stupid, like I was dumb, and it's like one of the big things I had to overcome is like the guilt or the the feeling of not being good enough because, uh, you know, uh, I didn't conform to the way they were teaching, uh, you know, everyone else, right? So, granted, to the testing in my school, they recognized it, they pulled me out, and you know, put me into like special learning and do whatever, and you know, but now if you know anyone, I, I think I don't feel stupid now. But I think if anyone that you talk to would say, "What do you think about Dave Ozzie?" They're like, "Oh, smart businessman, you know, this, they, you know, whatever." They would they wouldn't say I'm stupid, right? But the school system essentially, if I if I, I mean to, everybody who knew you in the early two thousands, but in our group might might say, that. <laughs> <laughs> "Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe." Uh, looking back, I mean, yeah, there's definitely yeah, some stupid things stupid, that I did yeah, 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 back then. Yeah. But I mean, um, as far as the way I was being taught. Uh, you know, that just wasn't the way I, I was, I was, I thought learning was best for me. I've always been a hands-on type of person. And, um, you know, so, uh, that's the, the way I learned best, right? But that, none of that was really given in school, right? You know, same with you, like I excelled in my gym and these types of things, but like, uh, when it came to, um, you know, reading, writing, these types of things where I was like, I was clueless, you know, math, math, I was better at, but like, um, I just, a lot of what I had to overcome in my life was about like the guilt and the shame that I felt from being like a poor student, you know. And uh, you know, there's a lot of my clients that I that I deal with that uh, have to overcome like uh, the shame surrounding like failing a grade. And back when I used to fail people, yeah. right, right. Uh, there's just so much shame that's associated with it. You know, like a big thing that I had to overcome was like, yeah, granted, it was great that they they recognized that I was struggling with like reading and writing and they pulled me out and like gave me additional attention. Uh, um, but also like as a kid, like that's embarrassing as fuck, you know, to be like called out and even though they did it subtly and whatever, but be called out and be like, Oh yeah. Hey Dave, it's time to go to your special ed class, you know? Yeah. And, uh, so a big thing of like, you know, a big part of like one of my biggest struggles that I, that I talk about is like self doubt, which, you know, on the surface, People would think that I have self-doubt, right? But one of the things that I've, I've really had to overcome was like that self-doubt that was installed in me from like a really young age. Is like you're not smart enough. <laughs> you're not like all the other kids. So I'm constantly questioning myself, which ends up being like a barrier to me succeeding in, in life. Now, granted, I've done a ton of work to become free of that, right? But these these programs get installed like at like a really young age, and the school system uh, is one of them because those are such influential ages, like you're as well. So and it's like commendable, like what you're doing with your kids, Tony, because you're doing what 
uh, I think it needs to be done more of it, like leaning into like what what are the kids really good at and like let's let's focus on that. And yeah, if they're not very readers, well, okay, nobody can. Let's focus. Yeah, on I mean, that. I didn't yeah. take them out out of a lack of confidence in the school system. Oh, yeah. I, I entered and I like shout out to any teacher that's there. They were my kids loved it, and I don't think we'd be in the shape we were in if they weren't there for that little bit. It's the current situation and what I'm not willing to have them do, and you know. Not it's not like you guys. Everybody do what you want. I support that fully, but don't really believe my children. I want them sitting in a classroom with the mask on. Like that's mm-hmm. something that we believe in wholeheartedly. And it, you know, it's, and leaning in and watching them, and it's just, it's given us a great opportunity. I pulled in my driveway today, right before I came back here for the podcast. And Colt's out there, and he's uh, my oldest, and he's he's wearing his little hoodie that you got him. Actually, the Eagles hoodie. He's got his like basketball shorts on. He's throwing a football around. And I'm like, man, this boy looks like he's 12 years old. And then I just felt so instantly grateful that, like, you know, despite all this craziness going on in the world and, you know, putting this school schooling thing in our unschooling or homeschooling on our plate, that I'm just able to spend way more time with my kids right now while they're, while they're here and before they become, you know, and Herb, who's uh, filming this right now, has got... You know, teenager, like that. There's going to be a point where you're going to start to push away a little bit, probably, right? And I, and I want to value this time. Out of curiosity, the three Villanova people in here, though, who was your? Mine was Mr. Kane. I ran into him at Turtle Club like a month ago. Gave me a big hug. It was so great to see him, Mr. Kane. Like I don't think I had a lot of things. He was a reference for the police department. He helped me with business and sports, and he was mine. Who was yours? Uh, Dave Butte. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I still see him. Such a nice guy. Yeah, he's a great guy. Yeah, he was always like a, a like a support for me. And even like in OEC calculus. Uh, yeah, you've had all this hard time. Yeah, I never knew him. But like, I basically, I did this both in college and university, or in university and high school, like the last semester, I basically checked out, right? And so uh, I pretty much, I'm pretty positive he just passed me out. What's in his band? Is it a good shot? Uh, oh, Big Wiggle. Wiggle, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. what you behind the camera there? Villanova guy. Um, Several, Mr. Krep, Mr. Ah, Harrison, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mr. Harrison is um, awesome, and uh, Miss Bastian. Oh, uh, yeah, right on. Yeah, all great yeah, people, yeah. and I, yeah. Case, I know you're a job like me. It's going to be the football coach for sure. It's <laughs> like my buzz, right? Hangerton, Tom Ed, all those guys just had such a big impact, like even in school. But that was something I want to like. So you talked about how like, not avoid your weaknesses, but like mm-hmm. reflect your weaknesses, work mm-hmm. on things you're good at. But what do you do or tell people that, like, let's look at it as simple as, here's your curriculum for the year. Mm-hmm. You have these six classes. I don't enjoy four of them, but I have to succeed in them in order to move forward. Mm-hmm. So how do you change your mindset from, I'm not good at this, I don't want to do it, to finding something within that class that you are interested in enough to allow you to succeed in it and push forward to it? Yeah, I think everything is being, you know, a big thing that people get really, uh, screwed up on is intention right and so it's like if your intention like let's just use business for example if your intention is to make money in business then every decision you make is going to be guided by that intention so uh, you're constantly going to be focused on getting and the while you may say on the service i really want to help my customers and whatever you're really trying to do is just make more money right so every decision you make is going to be is, is going to lean in that direction so you know you know casey for you you're a firefighter it's like you know, if you have to take classes to become a firefighter, even though like you don't like science, let's say for example, uh, if the intention is to be a firefighter, then you just find a way to like work through those those things that you're not you're not so great at, right? You know, so um, you're always being pulled by your intention. It's like um, whereas 
uh, when we were trying to, we weren't trying to force things, we're being like pushed, right? We're pushing everything. But once you set a pure intention, then you don't have to really do anything after that. Like mm-hmm. everything will just fall into place. Like you set the intention at some point in your life that you want to be a firefighter, and guess what? It happened. Yeah. Like you had to take classes, you had to work, and you had to do all these things, but you were just pulled throughout your whole entire life until finally you got hired as a firefighter, right? You know, and at one point in my life, I set the intention that I, I wanted to be an entrepreneur, and then everything led me in that direction. And now I'm setting the intention that I want to become enlightened, and everything is is is, is, is setting me in that direction. Right. So taking that time to set that bigger goal, or even that like, why? Why do I yes. have to take this class? And then that will give you that motivation to get through it and learn the things that you have. I think so, and also it won't be as difficult either. You know, it's like when you really understand your why. Like a big thing that we do, like that we do at Blast Campus, we get people to understand like why they're doing the things they're doing. You know, a lot of people just go throughout their lives and they say, well, you know, I wanted to become a firefighter and they don't even really ever ask why I want to become a firefighter, right? And it's like, well, maybe there's this one moment of inspiration where, you know, a firefighter came to your school and you're like, oh my God, that was it. And, but, you know, then the why gets lost in like, no, no, no. Well, it's, it's a really good career and it has benefits and I'm going to get a lot of girls and that's enough to be a chase guy. But, you know, like those were some of the, like those were some of my intentions behind becoming like a bar owner was like, uh, because of the notoriety that went along with it, right? So the higher the level of consciousness your intention is, the more support you get from the universe, okay? Or God or whatever your belief system is. So, you know, like um, when you set the intention like Tony has with like wanting to help a bunch of people by putting on uh, charitable events, like you see how powerful that is. It's like, like you know, you guys are raising hundreds of thousands of dollars for charities like because you got a ton of support from like this universal intelligence essentially. But when your intentions are below the level of integrity, um, you know, which is, I talk a lot about the scale of consciousness and you can look up more about that with like Dr. David Hawkins, but like essentially the scale of consciousness is there's this critical level that when you reach it, where everything completely shifts from force to flow. So anything below the level of 200, which is a, it's a logarithmic scale from zero to a thousand, anything below the level of 200, you're, it's just force. Every, your whole entire life is going to be a struggle. <laughs> it's like, and these are states of like, Shame, apathy, grief, guilt, fear, desire, anger, pride. These are the states of consciousness that are like life is going to be a struggle. But there's this one critical element, like one critical point, I should say, where everything completely transforms. And that's at the level of integrity where you start having the courage to like look within and figure out why all these things are happening to you, right? And at that point, you could describe it as like uh, water changing from ice to water, like, you know? Like it was ice this whole time. It's ice, ice, ice. Then all of a sudden, one point of a degree changes, and that ice turns to water. Right. So like this is how powerful these shifts can be created. So when you start to align with higher states of consciousness, like the, the state of consciousness of uh, the willingness to give back, which we calibrate at three ten, which is like what we do with Brush Gym and all the charitable stuff, the support from the universe is like is just unimaginable. It's like it's just like things just happen. You know, like it's like oh, I need, you think you think to yourself. You know what we should really do is like we should really figure out like a prize uh, to give away, like like a grand prize. And then a day later, you bump into a guy and says, "You know what? I'm going to donate this." I'm like, oh, thank you. Yeah. It's like, there's no like calling it's a guy and trying to yeah, one hundred percent. And like you know, Tony and I are up here, you know, doing some planning, and we're like, "How are we going to do this for a massive event?" Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be amazing, <laughs> and it's going to be transformational for a lot of people. But we're like, we got stuck on this one thing because, like, you know, when we do these things together, there's this one thing that we do that's like transformational. But now with the group getting bigger, we're like, how are we going to still have that same connection? We're stuck and we're a couple of minutes. But because our intention isn't about making money, yeah, we're going to make money doing this, but the intention is to really help people. 
Like that's the true intention. That's what we're being led by. Like we're sitting here for a couple minutes and then boom, the answer comes to us. Like there's no force, you know? It's all just flowing and simple and effortless. So the other thing that I like using describing the um, consciousness is that there is no such thing as darkness. There's only the absence of light, right? So, you know, when you get low on the scale of consciousness, there's like in like the grips of like shame and apathy, like the victim of the world, there's very little light, right? But as you learn to start moving up, there's more and more light. So it's not like there's this good and evil, you know? Um, this is like a big thing that's happening in the world right now. Like there's evil people and good people. It's just like at the low states of consciousness, there's just not a lot of, you know, light or love or whatever you want to call it, right? So if you're connecting with those low states like desire or fear or anger, you know, you want to really work on becoming free of them so that you can start aligning with these higher states of consciousness where, you know, everything is easy. And, you know, I know this is kind of like a point of contention between Tony and I in some ways, like, because I live my life where everything is easy and effortless. And, you know, and, but that doesn't mean I'm not working hard. It's just, I'm not labeling it as hard work. You know, like, so, um, there's a, there's a, there's a thing that I've really been tuning into lately, which is um, your struggle should be like where you start. So basically, you know, pick a point in your life where you're struggling. And like for me, it would be like diet, let's say, right? So even though I'm, uh, you know, I'm a vegetarian and I, I have a relatively decent diet, but like I struggle with like, you know, going on like sugar binges or drinking pop or whatever it may be. And uh, what I read, what I read recently was that the reason that we struggle in life where we're struggling is because of the program that we took on, right? So at those critical ages of zero to 12, we take on all these programs from society, from our friends, from our family. And if we're struggling in an area, it's just because we are not programmed properly to uh, succeed in it, right? So um, this is why the rich get richer, because the rich program within their kids that money's abundant, you know, effortless and easy to obtain, right? So those kids go into life thinking like, oh, I, I can make money, it's no problem. It's like, it's already, pro it's already a program within them, right? Whereas my program with food, for example, my program is like, there's no one that's going to take care of me. And if I don't take care of myself, no one else is going to. So, you know, uh, I was never programmed to be like, you have to cook food. <laughs> right? Like my, the way I, the way I fed myself as a kid was whatever was in the cupboard that I didn't have to cook because I was nine years old doing this shit on my own. That's what I grabbed. And that program has stayed with me up until 43 years old. Right. So now, Finally, I'm coming into the awareness of this program. Like, oh, where I'm struggling is with food. Why? Oh, shit. Because when I was nine years old, when my mom died, I was kind of left on my own. And if you leave a nine-year-old in charge of his diet, how is he going to eat? <laughs> he eat sugar. He's going to eat candy. Whatever gives him energy and fills him up and tastes good, right? And so that was a program that I can reach. Right. It's really, really. <laughs> you know? And that was a program that I took on that I now have to have to overcome, right? And so once you understand what's at the root of why you're doing the things you do, you can really start to like break free from them, right? So um, I, like I'd be interested to, to, to see like where you guys feel like you're struggling and like, you know, for me, diet and exercise, not exercise, actually exercise comes really natural to me, um, but uh, diet for sure is like, is where I'm struggling. I've overcome my money. Why don't we get into that a little bit if you want? Uh, money was a block for me for a long time. I was grinding and hustling. I learned how to overcome that. Uh, but this next, my next real big struggle in life is this last one, I think, which is, is uh, this diet element. So is it kind of like, you're basically saying your history really determines where your like struggles are when you dive into it in the sense of like, for example, your boys are going to grow up and fitness is a way of 
life. It's only your day. So, so they're ex every day they're exposed to, we get outside, we move for at least an hour a day, or we're just constantly doing that. So they're going to go through life and probably never have as many issues with staying healthy or staying in shape because it's part of their routine. 100 Whereas if they've never, their parents or people around them never got active or forced them to be active, it's a bigger milestone to get up and go do that hours worth of work. You're mm -hmm. not programmed for success in it. You, you hit the nail on the head, right? Tony's kids are going to be jacked. We all know this. It's going to happen, right? So it's like, it's just like, is this what's going to happen? It's and because it's never, there's never going to be a hurdle or a program that they have to overcome. It's like going to be a part of who they are, right? So uh, that's why when I heard this quote, and it's guy from this guy, Bruce Lipton, and I'm not, I'm not really too in tune to what he's been doing, but uh, and when he said that, I was like, how did that hit home? You know, I was like, that's it. Like, that's where you got to start. It's like, where you're struggling is a window that you can look through to see what it is that you need to become free of, right? In order to transcend that, that struggle. If you just yeah. keep trying to grind and hustle and outwork this program, it's going to be effort, a ton of it. And you're going to get discouraged and you're going to get beat down. I've been trying to break this pop addiction for fucking, <laughs> since I was nine years old, literally. Like, you know, like, yeah. and, I, and I've recognized some of the things that were programmed into me, which were like, you know, uh, pop and sugar and candy and things like that were like my source of happiness, you know? So it's like when things were going bad, I drank pop. When things were going good, I drank pop, right? Later in life, I turned it to alcohol, and then pop wasn't such a big deal. But then when I dropped the alcohol, I went right back to the pop, right? You know, so, uh, so yeah, for me, like that is a program that I had to overcome. I also had to overcome the program of money, though, too, because, you know, this is like classic, you know, and I'm just over how this will transport, like, uh, look on the, on the podcast. But, like, I would ask my dad, like, what if I, I need to buy hockey equipment? So we would go to the, the, the sports store, national, where we, where we can't remember where we went, somewhere in the Green Sports or something, I can't remember what it was called. But anyway, we'd go to the place and, and be like, okay, I need these shin pads, right? And so I'd try them on, yeah, these are great. And then my dad would go, well, how much does it cost? <laughs> and, the, and the guy would be like, oh, these are $149. <sighs> like, this is this huge, like, deep side, like, every single dollar he spent, it was like the end of the fucking world, right? And so that was programmed into me. And what did it program into me? That money was scarce. Right, there's not a lot of it, you know, and like ooh, you get to hold on to your money tightly. And until I, until I unprogram from that, you know, then everything changed with respect to money for me, right? So now I know, uh, just with like this simple awareness, and this is the, this is the beauty of like, just being aware. Like the awareness alone is enough to start the transformation, you know, and that's what we do a lot at Boss Camp, right? Is like we start creating awareness for people. Yeah, yeah. Let's go there for a second. Yeah. So you mentioned a word that uh, that kind of like triggered uh, what I'd like to bring up here. So enlightenment. So one of the things I say, and you're you're there towards the end of Blast Camp, and but at the end of Blast Camp, I say like you know, be be aware that when you when you go home and you you know you talk, to, there might be some friends and some things that there's some relationships that just won't be the same when you leave after you've conquered something or like ripped out some demons, like I like to say, or done some real hard work or developed a new skill set. That maybe like some of these relationships you're gonna to go to and you're they're not gonna be the same. And the reason for that, I, I use the word enlightenment, but it's like it sounds like such an arrogant word, I guess. It's like where do you differentiate? Like, what do you deem as enlightenment? And like that is true. Like there's since I decided to kind of like not be consumed by a lot of the negative that aspects that came with the police work, it's a lot of those relationships that were very good friendships have just gone away. And you know what? And I'm not sad about it. And mm -hmm. I don't wish it will on any of those people by any means, but it's just, mm -hmm. and it, it's, 
enlightenment or the right word. I don't know. It's just growth or going down the separate paths. Yep. And it's just that's that's what's what's weird to me. And it's after blast camp, I see that happen to people, and you yep. see that, and or you see the opposite, like it melds people together. These like bonds that make a blast or similar events. So yeah, speak on that. Well, I think that's like like you know, it's funny. Like you know, we sit here and we're like, what are we gonna talk about today? And it's like, and then we start getting into light and enlightenment. I think that's like that. I think that was like probably like one of the critical questions that the people that listen to this podcast need to understand is like what is enlightenment essentially yeah, we don't script these things these yeah no and it just flows right you know so it's like like we don't really know what we're talking about but then we get to like i think which is like a really really critical question is like what is enlightenment essentially right and so i think what you're talking about with the guys at blaska camp is is awareness right we want to have awareness of our mind so one critical element of new awareness is, is to come to the awareness that you are not your body and you are not your mind you know this is the mind fuck for people right so like one of the things that I do with people is like Scott Urban Kirk is head up back there. Gonna <laughs> <laughs> keep going. Yeah, right. So it's like so the reason that we know that you know, so uh, the reason so what what are we then? I guess is the question. Essentially, we, we are um, like eternal etheric beings, meaning that life goes on forever, right? And so this this physical form that we have here today is just like a a moment, a different experience in life, a different experience in this overall consciousness. Now, the reason that we know that we are not our minds and not our bodies is because our mind controls our body, right? So you tell your body to stop moving and you can, well, you can freeze your body still, right? You tell your mind to stop moving, right? And it just keeps, keeps talking, right? It's like the mind is its own organ, right? And it just keeps doing what it is that we're doing. But we can take a step back from our minds and we can begin to observe. So, you know, an exercise I do with people, and if you're driving your car, don't do this, but I make everyone close their eyes and I say, make your inner voice say hello. Right? And then I say, make your inner voice say hello three times. And then you can do it. And then make your inner voice scream hello. And it's like, okay, what was it that allowed you to observe what you were thinking about? Right? And so that is your consciousness. That is your soul, your um, etheric being. Okay? So ultimately, enlightenment is the transcending of the idea that you are your mind. Right? So our ego, which is essentially just our mind unobserved, has played the ultimate trick on us and it has made us believe that we are it right we are the mind and we are the body but we are something greater than that right so uh, when you learn to transcend that ego you move into these high states of consciousness where a physical form is not even actually necessary anymore so a lot of enlightened people this is why they go and sit on a rock and they were talking about it ever again because there's no need to even be in the physical form and actually a lot of them choose to leave meaning they let the physical body die and they you know they stop eating, drinking, breathing, and then they move on to the next kind of realm, right? Now, what you're talking about uh, with what guys experience at Blast Camp is new levels of awareness. And what Buddha said was like, rare is it to even heard of enlightenment. Rare is it, rarer still is it to pursue enlightenment as like a life goal. So there's pretty much like 0.001% of the population that are actually pursuing enlightenment as a life goal, right? But the great news is, is that if you just hear of enlightenment, if you listen to this podcast, maybe this is the first time you actually like really understood what enlightenment was, right? Which is the transcending of this idea that you are your mind and body, right? Learning to disconnect and become aware of, just like through that process that we did. Now that you realize that that potential exists, just with that awareness alone, you begin moving in that direction, just like that intention begins to pull you, right? So, so just to hear of enlightenment is a great step, but actually to pursue enlightenment, 
is, um, is another amazing step in the right direction. But the great thing about this is, is that you don't have to get enlightened to start really like reaping the benefits of moving towards enlightenment, right? So it's like, as I started doing all this spiritual work, you know, I the scale is logarithmic, so zero to a thousand. So the enlightened beings of our times, like the truly the highest, the highest state you can reach in physical form is a, a thousand. And this is like Jesus, Krishna, Buddha. And the reason that I bring them up is because these are people that were at these advanced states of consciousness that were able to transform society based on their teachings, right? So for us to get to that level, it's not impossible, but it's going to be pretty rare. Yeah, it's more. Yeah, we got a lot of work to do. <laughs> Explain something to me. So yeah. this might sound like a dumb question, but so you you're a spiritual guy, you know, uh, very much like Jesus, Catholic, mm-hmm. like Catholicism is that what? We're, yeah, what but I'm not. I don't. I'm not tying myself to any religions. Like, like that's yeah. right. So you mentioned Buddha. And yeah. I'm not super religious, but maybe I don't give myself enough credit for the, that. I am a little bit spiritual, but. Been reading tons and Buddha, Buddha, Buddha comes up like everywhere. I love this guy. Yeah, <laughs> like this, like yeah. this, stuff, like this stuff that, like you know, when I read and it's like you know, old Buddhist proverbs, all this and this. So Jesus and Buddha, like this, both exist in your life, or is it just, yeah. you're just, or this is this? Are you viewing this? Might be way too deep. <laughs> you know, are you viewing this as the same person? Is just like yeah. uh, no, not the like same the person. same greater being. Like as, like, how do you view? I, the, I, I, believe that they're like we're all interconnected we're all a part of this this uh you know this universal energy you know I, for me god is not, not a person in the sky even though if you hear me referring to god with i'll say he and that's just because of my upbringing and you know i grew up in the church but i was an atheist for uh you know probably from age 18 to you know 35 you know i was like a complete atheist didn't believe in god i thought you were stupid if you believe in god i had a business partner that i used to Prayed before every meal, and I thought he was a moron. You know, like, but then, really, then after I've come to these awarenesses, I was like, oh shit, I had it all wrong, right? You know, and um, the reason, so no, it's not for me. I don't believe in God. It's like I know God. Like I know the power of the universe exists, and it's because I see it all the time. Like I see it in like everyday little synchronicities. You know, like I need an answer to this question, and then it comes to me. Right? You know, I need to figure out how to let go of my desire. So I can, you know, start living in a life of abundance and it's answered. But, you know, I see it time and time again. To answer the question with respect to is Buddha the same as Jesus, Jesus, all these things. So there are different people, 100%. But they are all essentially um, the highest state of consciousness beings that you can reach in physical form. Um, they both essentially teach the same things with a little bit of differences. Right. right. I find that more, yeah. More so into this. Uh, I have that. also have I ever said like Mother Meathead with any of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, keep going. Yeah. So like Buddha Buddha taught so Buddha, the thing the difference between Buddha and Jesus is Buddha moved to a level of consciousness of one thousand to the state of, of advanced enlightenment. Jesus was born at level of consciousness one thousand, right? So yeah, no, right, yeah. So, but it was like at a critical time, you know. So uh, I think Jesus came around like 500 years after Buddha or something along those lines. Um, so, but Buddha, like you know, the, the story I love about Buddha was like he was this first prince that was you know in this castle and he never saw anything that was going on and then he decided to get outside of the castle and sneak out and then the first thing he saw was uh, someone that was sick and he immediately developed the, the fear of death or the fear of sickness or illness and he saw a dead person and he developed the fear of death and then. He saw a poor person and he developed a fear of poverty, right? And then, so from those fears that he had that he never was even exposed to, he then went through the process of learning how to transcend all of those, right? And then he moved to enlightenment, right? So, whereas Jesus was born 
at level of consciousness one thousand, and so that's why he was able to, you know, transform an entire you know society from uh, you know like paganism essentially and go over to uh, the greater states of, of consciousness. When when Jesus came into the world, the level of consciousness of the world was like at eighty, which is like like really really low, you know, and so. This is like they, they were murdering people in like the arenas and you know, uh, like all kinds of like really evil shit, right? And so, uh, one man uh, at this high state, he can pull up an entire an entire nation or entire world, and that's essentially what he did, right? So, when we, this relates to um, you know where we're at in society today. It's like we have this great divide uh, in our society with all this back shit and you know it's, it's all over the place and and we feel the need that we need to kind of stand on a soapbox and tell everyone hey like this is what you should be doing you know but the best thing that you can do is is move up the scale of consciousness on your own it's like learn to let go of whatever it is that you're holding on to and then naturally people will be drawn to who it is that you have become like jesus wasn't promoting what it was he was doing he said people were just drawn to who he was right so um, this is what's happened to me over time. It's, this is why my coaching business, you know, grew quickly. Was people are like, "What is it that you're doing? <laughs> like, you seem to be like really loving life, you know." So I want to know what it is that you're doing. And so just naturally, you know, people um, start like, becoming attracted to you. And so you don't have to be uh, pursue enlightenment to experience this because you're experiencing it as well, right? Like you set the intention to want to help people, and people are like drawn to it, you know. So. Uh, the best thing we can do to help humanity is to help ourselves, essentially. And how do you help yourself? It's like you begin to transcend the ego. You begin to understand that the ego is, has one primary function, and that's to keep you safe, right? And it does so in the physical world, but it do also does so in the emotional world, right? Where it's doing everything in its power to prevent you from feeling emotional pain, right? But that emotional pain is what you need to transcend and let go of in order to maximize your potential, right? Um, the universe is expanding at an infinite rate, right? Like, it's just like continuously expanding. It's crazy. And consciousness, which is essentially we are a part of as these spiritual beings, like as these souls, we're a part of consciousness. So that should be an indication that our primary function as conscious beings is to expand and grow, right? And if we don't, then we struggle. Wow. The whole thing just makes me like how you explain and how the way like your brain works and everything like that. It just like it makes me think of like as simple or dumb as it is is like the Instagram like algorithm sort of thing. It's like if you just look up like income, like positivity, you look up workout tips, you look at all this stuff. Every time you go to your search page, it's gonna be those things, right? It's gonna be those positive mm -hmm. things. Whereas if you were to just look up like fucking knockout fights and you know rioting and all this stuff when you go to your search page that's all it's going to be so it's like filling your brain with the same shit it's like if you're exposing yourself to all these positive things then it's going to continue to project positive things in your life as opposed to you just fill yourself with news and negativity then that search page in your brain is just going to project that negativity and it's just going to make you feel like shit all the time that's like an amazing analogy and it's like really really easy way for people to understand it the one thing I will is, add, yeah, no, it's not, that's awesome. And the one thing that I will add to that though is positive thinking doesn't work. Okay, so uh, so people think now it does work in the sense that you're just talking about. But the problem being is that we have seventy thousand subconscious thoughts every single day, right? So and ninety five percent of our day is 
the subconscious mind is ruling, ruling the roost kind of thing. Like we are completely unaware. So enlightenment is about becoming more aware of what's happening in our heads on a more consistent basis, right? But usually only about 5% of the day we're actually saying, hmm, what is it that I'm saying to myself right now, right? So when you try and inject a few positive thoughts, you're fighting a losing battle, right? You, you may get, you know, five, 10 positive thoughts in a day against 70,000 negative thoughts. So the way to change what it is, what algorithm is, how the algorithm is working for you is not to try and force positive thoughts into your subconscious. It's to understand why you're having the subconscious thoughts in the first place, right? So let me give you a practical example. So um, when I was a kid, you know, I experienced a ton of shame around like uh, the cars we drove, the house we live in, because my dad just didn't take care of shit. I think I've mentioned this before on this podcast. But that shame that I experienced, right, it was responsible for millions of thoughts throughout the course of my life, right? And those thoughts were all designed to protect me to never feel that shame ever again. So they were all like, I need to make money, I need to look good, I need to impress women, I need to be desirable, like all of these things, right? Was all based around not wanting to feel that shame anymore. So once I eliminated the shame, guess what? I eliminated all of those thoughts that were associated with the thing, the shame. And now I had the room or the space to allow those positive thoughts to begin flowing in. And then I changed my algorithm essentially and started seeing, oh, look at there's abundance all around me. Oh, look at there's happiness all around me. So a big, a big thing I think people, a big takeaway I think that people can grab from this is that happiness is not destinational. Okay. And that was where I got trapped for like the better part of my life is that I believe that happiness was out there somewhere. Like once I made money, you know, then I was going to be happy. Once I had the wife and the kids, then I was going to be happy. And then, what I realized was that happiness is already within all of us, right? But things happen to us over the course of our lives and it began to block or put that happiness down. Like you look at your two boys, right? It's like, they're fucking happy as ever, right? And it's because they haven't begun to take on programs yet that start suppressing that happiness, but it's already, it already is within us. Even advanced states of consciousness already exist within us. It's about unprogramming from all of the shit that we've taken on throughout our entire lives to tap back into that happiness that is inside of us it's like kind of like the analogy is it's like it's like happiness or uh, high states of consciousness are like the sun they're always shining on us but all of our programs and all of our belief systems and all the stories that we have told ourselves over time to protect ourselves is like the clouds right so what i do as a coach what we do at class camp is we start having people look at those clouds and be like oh look at that's a cloud that blocked the sun from when you were a kid and your dad smacked you in the face. Oh, that's a cloud that blocked the sun for when you failed that test as a kid and you felt like you weren't good enough, right? Now, as you bring awareness to those clouds, the skies begin to clear just on their own because of the awareness alone. And then that sun that's already been shining on you this entire time, you begin to finally feel it again. Once you feel it, right? Once you really begin to feel the sun, you're like, oh my God, I'm happy. Guess what? You become the state of, uh, you become uh, someone that manifests, right? So it's like, right. Yeah, so manifesting isn't about putting a picture on your wall and looking at it every day. Manifesting is like feeling the way you want to feel even before you achieve whatever it is you want to achieve. So if you feel like you're rich already, well, guess what? You're going to become rich. And then I was, I think it's actually Food's proverb too. Uh-huh. I think it was uh, like a lot of people confuse happiness with joy when happiness, in fact, is peace. Yeah. That, that was something I read recently. And like that, that really resonated with me because it is like, the more peaceful my life is, the more I feel that, that I feel that happiness, that like that true happiness. And, and one of the ways to get more peace is by cutting like a lot of things out. That's what I found. It's not about like 
you know, addition by subtraction has worked very well. It's one of the things we learned in business. I learned that lesson over and over and over again as we try to go in all these different directions. And then the more we subtract, the more I seem happy. And actually, the more that we succeed, really, if, if you're going right around full circle and coming back to finances, it's, it's pretty wild how that works. And, and same here, the more we simplify, the more, you know, I simplify life, take away choices. Um, the more things just seem to work out in my favor and inside and out. Yeah, but isn't that like you talk about, especially with relationships or friends, it's like if this is your, even if you're good friends or good colleagues, like if this is your friend that you vent to each other about all your negative shit, mm. like what if you stopped talking to that person? <laughs> you wouldn't vent. Yeah. Or you wouldn't, you know, so you wouldn't bring up as many problems in your life to talk about and you might start to overpass them and go, you know, if I bitch to Tony all the time about, you know, the shitty things going on in my life, and then I stop talking to Tony. Maybe I just won't talk about those shitty things, and I can start working on them and pushing through. Yeah, 100%. So, like, levels of consciousness get attracted to each other. So, this is why you'll see groups of people that are angry, right? You know, like, this is something that my mentor always told me. Like, there's only two conversations happening in coffee shops. This is my opinion about yeah. this, and yes, I agree, right? It's because the second that you say, you know what, I don't want to judge people anymore, right? Well, now you no longer are attracted to that level of consciousness of, of you know of judgment, and ultimately the only reason that we're judging others is to try and lift ourselves up because we don't feel good about ourselves. So we judge others to try and bring ourselves up. But when you recognize that, you're like, oh, well, why do I feel bad about myself? And you heal from that. Well, now you no longer want to hang out with these people that judge. <laughs> so then you move into a new group. Now maybe you move into the, the group of uh, anger. <laughs> and then you got to then you got to transcend that group, right? And the angry group is like you know. Angry at the world, and there's the people with the flags out front of their, their uh, house that says "fuck Justin Trudeau" and all these sorts of things, right? So, so, but then when you transcend anger, then you start to move into different circles, right? And and yeah, so you lose people along the way, but it doesn't mean that you judge or um, condemn those people. You still have love and acceptance for who they are, but you know, just naturally, effortlessly, you know, you start to move into different circles, right? So, uh, yeah, that's how you like you begin to transcend this stuff. It's it's not about really having to cut those people out. It'll just happen naturally. You know, it won't be like, oh, you're judgmental. Fuck you. I'm not hanging out with you anymore. It's like, well, let me release why it is I'm judging people or myself. And then naturally, those people will fall to the wayside and uh, you'll move into different circles. Yeah, this has been a pretty deep conversation. I think we could title it Buddha. I love this guy. <laughs> but, uh, no, like, backing out of that, just a, a touch and then, like, a, pay, a place to go find peace. Like, just tell us a little, just a little bit of Lumavita, what's going on there. Just yeah. before we wrap up this up. So, I think uh, people are probably interested in that. Uh, surprisingly, so many people seem to know, but then also surprisingly, people are like, when I post it on Instagram, what is this place? Yeah. So, what is this place? It is beautiful. Tell us a little bit. About yeah. Well, it. you know, this is really, this is something that, you know, my business partner, Andrew, and I, Kind of like manifested and you know over time we've, we've been holding this idea in mind of like creating a place uh, where people can come and like disconnect and you know like especially in this day and age you know uh, we're so connected at all times and we barely have time to let our minds like stop right so it is through the present moment that the unknown is revealed to us meaning our mind can only exist in the past and in the future right so in order to get outside the circle of what we know to connect to the unknown, we need to be completely present. But there's just not a lot of space to do that these days. And like, this is why you see like, you know, flotation pods and these things happening, you know, like flotation um, tanks and stuff like that, because people can't find the space to disconnect and get to the present moment so that they can have these, you know, amazing moments in their lives. So um, we've been looking all over the world to where we're going to open up this place and then all of a sudden Kubota Park 
which used to be a trailer park, came for sale. And, you know, we put an offer in, no idea how we were going to get the money. Uh, and there was five other offers and they took ours, right? And it was just like talking about synchronicities and support, right? You know, like it all just happened. And in, in two and a half months, we converted a 16 acre trailer park into like a beautiful retreat center where we have, uh, right now we have um, 23 tents uh, that are all furnished. So it's like, it's like glamping, essentially glamorous camping. Um, so you just show up, bring your bag and your food and uh, the rest is taken care of, um, you know, and uh, it's on, it's on right on Lake Erie. And it's just really like a place of peace. It's like a place to, to just sit by a fire and, you know, not be on your device or not have to listen to music or just like to connect, you know, and begin to take that step back and observe. And because of that, it's tracking all types of events and we're having yoga retreats and Andrew and I are going to be doing, doing, doing all kinds of stuff. And the, the ultimate goal of the place is uh, we're going to have, we're going to have 42 geodesic domes. Uh, and then we're going to have the 23 tents. We're going to have a ton of units out there, right? And then we're going to have uh, hot tubs, saunas, cold plunges. Uh, that's all coming, right? Um, but right now we're in phase one, which is uh, just the tents. And we're in the process of renovating the building. So we have these common spaces, yoga rooms, showers, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's it's amazing, uh, amazing place. And uh, it's the, it's gotten a lot of attention. And it's been really busy. The weekends are, have just been jam-packed. We've already booked, like, 15 yoga retreats and we've, we've, we have like three or four already booked for uh, 2022 so yeah i really see it as like a, a place within like the city which is awesome you know it's also right in the middle of wine country too so it's like this cool uh you know place to kind of come and uh, when you when you rent a tent you get free kayak rentals free bike rentals so you can bike around to all the wineries and whatever else it's yeah we had a great time we oh, went cool. out with all of us our, our big group of friends we hit up uh, we did at the uh, winery just down the street. Uh, you know, we went swimming, we went kayaking. Yeah, we hung out by the fire. Yeah. You were only there for a day. <laughs> yeah, we weren't even there. Like literally, I don't think that's yeah, twelve right. hours. Yeah, and it was. We just had an unbelievable time, and it was like it was on just being out there on the water and in that that area. And there was no Wi-Fi. I don't think you know. Yeah, they kind of yeah. just like we we chilled right out. It was it's an awesome place. We're proud of you. It's I. It doesn't do justice the description of what it was to what it's become, and it's not even where you want it to be yet, which is pretty wild. So I'm very proud of you, man, as your friend. Yeah, to uh, to see you doing that, and I hope more people can go and say. I know Urban's gonna put that on the show notes for us. Yeah, um, a couple things. So if you like this episode, you like into deep conversations, highly recommend HQ Nutrition Focus. I take them for every podcast. I take them almost every day. I know Casey loves this stuff too. It's just nootropics. It's just brain food for you. Helps with memory, helps with your you know alertness and clearing that brain fog. And we do all these episodes sober, so it's it's actually even better. I find better results <laughs> since I stopped uh, you know drinking the bottle. And then uh, the other thing is I am we're gonna be doing some fighting tonight, some MMA. So uh, if you like performance and you want to really be better than yesterday, ten thousand clothing company Canada. They're new to Canada. This stuff is the best performance uh, gear for men that I've ever tried. So both of those, if you want to go to HQ, if you want to go to 10,000 in Canada, use code TANGO15 to save yourself a little bit of cash. Some of the best stuff on the market. So thank you, Dave, for being here with us today, man. Yeah, that was, I think it was off. This episode went like, we know where we were going. Wait, no, yeah, it went deep and it went awesome. And then it got very undeep real quick and then it got back deep again. So thanks very much, man. It's awesome to be around. It's so cool to be like my good friend, Casey, but you know, Three guys that went to high school are in this one room doing business together without really doing business together. It's uh, it's awesome. So, yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, that's it, man. Great episode. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. Cheers. Time to do more and be more. 